We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today we get to dissect and digest our November breakfast with Chris Munch. As always, I have Matt Schrader here with me. Matt, say hello to everybody. Hello, hello. It's good to be with you again, Evan, once a month. It's not enough, but spoiler alert, we see each other more than once a month. Uh, yeah, well, I, I don't know if that'll change now that the uh, Father by God small group is, or mid-sized group is done, but... Uh, I think that that was a that was a good cadence in terms of ascension of it. I mean, every once in a while you come to breakfast. Yeah, and I see no, you there. I, I I think I think you're calling me out for skipping this breakfast because I wasn't there. So I'll just <laughs> I'll just address the elephant in the room. I was sick, so I was not able to attend. I was bummed because it. Uh, I'm actually yeah. doing. I was doing the Father by God midsize group, and Chris was in my group. I've gotten to uh, get to know him oh, a little bit better. Okay, yeah, so. Uh, I don't know that I have an inside scoop to what he talked about, but I have a little bit of context, I think. So, oh. um, so there's that. But yeah, no, I was I was sick. I wasn't able to come to the uh, the breakfast. But that's the beauty of the podcast, right? Still able to uh, still able to listen and kind of be a part of it. And a lot of great, a lot of great stuff. A lot of great stuff that Chris talked about. That uh, after first listen, kind of same thing. I, at first, I was like, yeah, this is good. And then as we got a little little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. I was just like, you know, this is a really timely message. I, I think it's an important message for men specifically, just because we are talking about mm-hmm. uh, our gifts and our talents. And I think everybody in some capacity goes through that journey of trying to figure out like, what am I good at? What's my purpose? Because I feel like we all have a purpose. But I feel like what Chris articulated in his uh in his message was like a real kind of pull back the curtain um, insight into that journey for him, which I, I think it's for, for a guy like me, it's, it's comforting to know that like this is, it's normal to struggle through figuring that out. And it is normal to have kind of emotions of frustration and anger and uh, feeling a little bit lost, but then also, I think that if you really dig into some of the things that he said, I think there's some clues, right? Some clues that point you towards your purpose and point you towards your gifts and talents. Uh, And I think if you can really hone in on that, I think it'll help give you clarity in terms of trying to figure out what your gifts and talents are and, and how you can use those and, and ultimately get into a position where uh, you're operating in those on a, on a frequent basis and it's bringing you life. So I, I I'm excited to dig. Into are you it. saying, uh, yeah, it's, I feel like you're trying to tell me, I don't know what my gifts are. That, see, like, that's just that. That's just that conviction. That this is a timely the, message for me. See, I, I'm just, I'm speaking in general. I haven't even used your name yet as a hypothetical, but I love how, I love how God just starts working on your heart and I can just see okay. the layers peeling back. Okay. Okay. And, I see what uh, we've done here. Is, this is good. This is good. So I, this. I'm gonna just you, I'm gonna let you talk. You do this to I'm, me every time. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. So go ahead. Well, what I was gonna say was that I'm confident in my gifts and talents, and there's no way I would ever question them in wow. any way, shape, okay. or form. Okay, so vulnerability out the window. We're just we're putting up walls. Uh, this is a this is a good step. Yeah, I'm pretty much <laughs> done with that. I, you know, it, it's not really working out for me. So. There's been so many people that you've helped, Matt. <laughs> no, I. I think Chris did something pretty fantastic in that he told his brotherhood story just as a story and not as a message or a sermon. Now, no doubt when you listen to it, it was a message and a sermon, but because he just told it as a very uneventful situation that we all face, it didn't have that pizzazz and that miracle feeling that people feel pressure to bring when they come on stage. You know, when you catch somebody on stage telling that story, it's always like, Man, God just told me, and boom, I knew what to do. And that was not Chris's story. It was very much struggling back and forth, some very like uncertain places, and that is refreshing to me. I, I don't like big box type stories that are just like one, two, three, bam, miracle. I like things where there's struggle, there's tension. You get to 
feel the real sensation of what he went through because that's real life. All of us go through that. All of us have situations where we're having to make changes that are difficult and tough that we didn't see coming and we sure didn't count on having yeah. to do. Yeah, he gave, I'd say, a, like a raw, unfiltered view. There was no, like, music in the back, you know, quarter of, of the message that was like, we knew he was building to a point. Like, none of that happened. I think he just kind of ended. He's like, yep, that, that's all I got. I'll see you later. <laughs> he just kind of ended it. That, that's about how yeah. he started ending. Well, again, it's a tough crowd. He it's, just walked I up mean, there. early in the morning, it's – Oh, it's yeah. hard to be on your A game. So uh, kudos to anybody who's who's who spoke because it is, it's it's difficult, uh, especially when for Chris, like the, we're his peers for the most part. I mean, so it's it's kind of like yeah. <clears throat> okay, here I go. Uh, here's the real me. <laughs> you know, accept me. <laughs> you know the part I've been hiding <laughs> from you. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he even started with a joke. I felt for him because he started with a joke and just crickets. And I was like, no, oh, that's funny. We're yeah, just we were laughing. just too tired to laugh. I mean, I'm assuming you guys were. I would have laughed if I had been there. Like, I thought it was a like, – it, it You was were a, most definitely tired. It was a strong lead in. Uh, I laughed on the podcast uh, audio just, just hearing it. So kudos, Chris, for the joke. Um, I don't know. I mean, do, do we give – do you feel do you feel a little medieval when we talk brotherhood? Like I feel like brotherhood is more of like like locked in arms, but he he went kind of like Castle Muskogee on us. Yeah, yeah. I laughed the <laughs> second time when I listened to it okay. on the podcast, but I but before I didn't quite catch it. It didn't hit me. I'll tell you what I laughed at. I laughed at the Muskogee Castle joke. That's a classic. That's yeah. local Oklahoma. Nobody on the podcast outside of Oklahoma is going to yeah. get the Muskogee yeah, very, Castle. Like joke. he knew his audience. The Renaissance Fair. That, yeah. yeah, that was good. That was it. Was it was good? I, I don't ever think of Brotherhood as that, but you know now I do, <laughs> and that's the problem. He's ruined it for me. Every time I see a Lord of the Rings movie or anything with kings and goblets, now I hear his voice going, yeah. "Oh, Brotherhood." I was thinking more that Robin Hood men in tights is probably the direction he was going with it, but you know, either way, either way, yeah. I. Regardless, I, I I think that he was he was poking fun at us a little bit, but I do have like there was a specific point that he talked about that he did go into like what I would call the capital B brotherhood, and I think it made a strong point for him. So we'll we'll get to that, but I, I want to kind of start off a little bit just uh, uh, with the first point that really resonated with me was that he talked about. Um, like we all have gifts, right? So I feel like we've kind of established that a little bit, but it's on us to find them. And then um, I, I think part of it is recognizing that those gifts and talents, he said, make room for us and bring us before great men. I love that. I think that sometimes we we just feel like, uh, you know, there's some people that are lucky. There's some people that are just either naturally gifted and it's like really apparent to them. And you see them get these opportunities, and I feel like he he did kind of touch a little bit on the comparison game throughout this message as well, just looking at other people's gifts and other people's talents. And I think that that's something that we as men get caught up in is looking at what somebody else is doing. Because I think in some instances, we want to learn from what they do, right? We want to model our life after that. But there is a separating piece between what other people are doing that we can learn from and our in our own path. And I think if we have our own path, that's where we need to start stepping out in our own faith and recognizing what our specific talents are. And that's where we're, we're really forging ahead as opposed to just copying and imitating somebody else. Yeah, totally. And he talked about that whole deal when he was telling the story of being with the counselor and here he had tried these pastoral roles and these senior pastor ideas. He had kind of tried them on. You know what that reminds me of just right now? Like the whole David thing, trying on the armor. Is that not his yeah. verbiage? Is his language there? He said, you know, he could kind of tried on this leadership role and tried on this uh, top top guy type feel, this pastoral type feel, and it just didn't. It wasn't him. It wasn't his. What God had given him to do, and that counselor tells him, you know, I just don't see any of this. And <laughs> it's like the yeah. anti advice. <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, no. I think you will fail at that, you know, instead of the typical yeah. millennial or millennium advice of like, Oh, you can do it. You can do anything you want. As long as you put your mind to it, we can do any, no matter what I put my mind to, I can I do could, right? Uh, fly. Maybe I had a kid ask me that one time. I said that one time as a coach and he yeah. said, you mean 
I could fly if I wanted to, and I was stumped. I mean, now looking back, I'm like, I don't know what I was stumped. He's just a dumb kid. But I was like, ah, oh, oh shoot, <laughs> got me, you know. But that's the flaw in those things. You can't. Uh, do you just got to pivot a little bit and say, well, you could be a pilot, right? Like mm-hmm. then you're technically flying. So yes, but in the Superman sense, probably that would have been a good advice. But I think it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> I I think that uh, I I think that's kind of a, like a like a a wake up call that sometimes we need to hear. Like I always think of like, I guess this is a dated reference now, but like an American Idol audition, like you get the person that's thinks that they're really good at something and the judges are bursting their bubbles and, and there's been kind of people around them affirming them, but they're, they're the wrong people. And, and you literally like just watch their j- dream shatter right in front of your eyes. And, uh, fortunately for Chris, he did it in a, in probably a safe environment instead of on national TV. So, yeah. I think there might be a little bit more grace there where they can kind of walk through it. But I think from a brotherhood standpoint, I'm not saying we should kill uh, each other's dreams, but I, I do think that if you have a brotherhood around you, uh, what's the uh, what's the scripture, Matt? I'm sure you'll know this. I don't know it off the top of my head, but I think it's like the wounds of a, uh, a brother are. The wounds are of, of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. There you go. So I think that, I think that in that situation, from a like a brotherhood perspective, that we have a responsibility to speak truth to each other, to to not not give everybody like the the kind of fluff. And I think sometimes you get kind of caught in this battle of like I don't want to I don't want to hurt them, but I do think I need to speak up. I need to say something because from what I was hearing Chris talk about. I think he already knew, like he, he knew that he, like a a season was ending. He knew there was a death coming, but he also didn't know what the next step was. And I think that it was helpful to him to have a brother, or in this case, I think it was, I'm going to guess Dave Jewett, like a one degree thing. I think, I think in that case, like he was like, all right, we're going through your entire path. Like it sounded like he was going through like a one degree post-it note type of exercise. And he was looking at essentially the gifts and the experience that he has that he's uniquely qualified for. And the leadership thing is where he started going, I feel like I need to go this path because this is what Pastor George did. But those were not Chris's gifts. And so Dave was able to speak into his mind, hypothetical Dave, if it wasn't Dave. Dave was able to speak into to Chris's life and say, I, I just don't see that for you. And I'm not trying to hurt you or crush you, but like I think you need to look look elsewhere because you're you're going to go down a path that's going to lead to frustration. It's going to lead to, I think he he said something to the effect of like I I couldn't breathe, but when he was walking in his gifts, he could breathe again. And I think that's one of those clues that I was talking about earlier, where if you're truly operating in a strength, in a talent, a God given purpose for you, you just come alive. Like things become easy. Whereas if you're outside of that, it's a struggle and you're not seeing fruit and you're, and it becomes a burden to you. And you might think that's the direction you go, but I think some of those clues are pointing you hopefully in a different direction. Yeah. I think God speaks in clues a lot. He brings little things out that are just indicators. I mean, you've said it beautifully. If, if it's a struggle, if you hate doing it, you know, you have to decipher between what are things you don't like to do and what are things you just hate going to do. Things that you're constantly putting off, things that there's not a creative energy for. That's what I'm looking for. Typically when I'm trying to make sure I'm walking in the right lane is, is there a creative energy for this? You know, this may be difficult for me to learn or navigate the obstacles that my time management faces or the other priorities I have, what obstacles they bring. But is there a creative joy and an excitement to do the thing once I get there? Those are the things I want to stay at versus if I find myself just this is terrible and just drains me. I'm trying to move away from those roles and move into other creative things, creative energy roles. Well, and I think it's important, too, to recognize that there and, and Chris acknowledged it. There's an enemy that's trying to get you to abandon your gifts. So I think I think what you need to do kind of in this discovery is recognize, all right, 
what are the what are the gifts and talents that I have that, as, as Chris would say, are making room for us? Like you're seeing fruit, they're putting us before a great men. But what are what are things that are potentially attacks on those gifts trying to get us to abandon it? Not necessarily saying like, like you shouldn't be doing this, this is not a gift, but just having that discernment to differentiate the two things because I mean Chris highlighted two specific instances where he attributed it to the enemy trying to get him to abandon his gifts and abandon his talent. Because I think he said in the beginning to something to the uh, effect of the enemy knows that your talents are your talents, but he can't take them away from you, but he can get you to abandon them. And and I think that there's a lot of tactics that he uses to, to do that. And so I, I think as he got kind of further down, where he was talking about how to steward your gifts well, I think that that's where you gotta you kind of gotta go through that journey of discovering them, which that's the, that's step one. But then kind of the other four points, really uh, going through them so that you can tell, all right, is this is this not a gift, or is this an attack on my gifts trying to get me to abandon it? Because I think that that distinction right there is is crucial to making sure that you're staying and walking in God's will and God's purpose for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, I mean, that's your one for the day. I mean, that was beautiful. So there you go. Write that down, folks. That is uh, one one for the day. One for the All right, so Matt's going to close this out. Altar call right now. <laughs> you got about yeah, 20. That's... Now you got about 40 minutes now of just uninterrupted. Yeah, Matt. I'll Let's just go. talk. Really, that's what we all came to hear anyway. Isn't that the truth? Oh, wow. So... It's supposed to be a conversation, man. Yeah. Well, uh, then I should talk. Yeah, man, you you express that beautifully. You know, we, the devil does want to bring us the enemy, the world. I mean, all strategies are designed. Yourself, your own personal self, is designed to pull you away from what God has for you to do, what you enjoy the most, what you would be the most fulfilling. You know, I've been thinking this about this quite a bit, and I I will bring Chris's story into this. Is like when you're in your spot. That is the best place to be, the most favor, the most fulfilling, the most connected. And the challenge is when God picks our spot, but it's not the picture in our head or doesn't have the acclaim or what we think a certain role might have, the one that's outspoken on stage, the one that is the gets all the credit or seems to get all the credit. Like we struggle a little bit with that tension of like, oh man, that's where I want to be. But then recognizing, but this is where God has me. I was talking to Chris a couple years ago, just as he was starting on this. And he told me, he said, I just sense God moving in a different direction away from the church. This is right when he was starting to explore that. And I was just so impressed with the humility to be able to say something's coming to an end and that's okay. Now he was doing it through almost tears, but he still had the guts to be like, this is coming to an end and I'm having to grapple with what do I do next? This is pre most of what he told the story in the podcast or the breakfast. It was right before that, right before he has to discover these new things about him. But man, who here has the guts to say, man, this is coming to an end, even though I love it. I was good at it. Oh, it's, I enjoy this spot. And now I'm losing this spotlight, if you will, to go do another role. That's a lot of guts, a lot of humility. Yeah. Well, I, I think that we, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say we, I, uh, I feel like there's a, a little bit of a mentality. We get comfortable when we get into a certain position or we feel like that what, whatever we're doing, like, all right, this is like, this is what I'm doing now. And so what was uncomfortable for you at some point becomes your comfort zone. So like, as, as you continue to grow in, in whatever it may be, taking that step once, once you're, you've taken that step and you, you push yourself outside of what you're comfortable with, you're, all, all that happens is your, your comfortability expands. So he, he talked in the beginning about how when church was kind of initially going in the direction that like he had a hesitation to even try out for it, right? Like to even be a part of what the church was doing. And so that was uncomfortable for him to step into that role. And then as he was in that role, like he obviously got it. And he started to grow and thrive in it. But then 
the next situation came up where that role was ending and he again had to take that step and that that step was a bigger step right uh, the, uh, he had the training the resources the experience so naturally that step was going to be bigger but now that step was from outside of the comfort of having a full-time job and a salary taking that step into i know i need to perform i know i need to do something that is different than what i'm currently doing and now i'm going to go step into this performance on my own thing which he made the point of i think it was like people who have a sag card uh, screen actors guild mm-hmm. card yeah if you have that card only two percent of the people actually make a living doing performing and he's now one of those people so like logically thinking if if i'm chris and i have a a, a good job where i'm getting paid every single month to to act and perform i see that going away and now i got to take another step outside of that to something that statistically speaking is like playing division one sports in college where there's not as many people doing it that feels like a really really big step but he naturally took that step and so yeah kudos to him for being brave to do it i think that he saw it coming and so he was able to mentally prepare for it so now as he was kind of just step by step started doing stand-up comedy step by step started doing stuff on cameo and on social media and now he's got kind of proof of concept right like he's got followers he's got an audience he's performing he's doing what he loves uh i hate to be the bearer of bad news which is technically good news there's probably another step coming and he said he kind of alluded to a little bit i think he knows it's he thinks that there's ministry behind it so what happens when you get influence? You get influence, right? You mm-hmm. get an audience. Yeah. You get people who are engaging with you. Now the next step opportunity is to point back, right, and say, not because of me, but because of God. And so I'm I'm excited for him to see how he's able to use the influence that he has now uh, in this new medium to be a witness, to point back to God and talk about that journey. I think. The breakfast was a step in that direction. It's like kind of that opportunity for him to really communicate with 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 a bunch of guys ab- about this. But a lot of time, a lot of re- a lot of the reasons the guys are listening is because of the size of the step that he had to make. They they want to hear like, how did you make that step, so that we can emulate, so that we can in, uh, uh, imitate, and figure out our own path, figure out our own purpose and figure out our own talents and how to apply that to our specific life. Well, and I want to point out that he took a lot of little steps before he got to that one big step he was talking about, you know, leaving the solid secure job to virtually nothing, just making your own entertainment and then trying to thrive in a very difficult business, very difficult industry. He was making little steps all along the way when he's at his current job, taking responsibility writing, doing things that are funny for other people. I mean, he mentions dad life, dad life, I think is 2010. It's a video that went viral at our church, church on the move, man. He put that all together. Like that thing went huge, brought a lot of publicity to the church. And you think about that. He's having to wrestle with, wow, I could have done that myself. Like that he did it for the church. So it was the churches. They had the rights to it, all that. So you know, you can get a little soured on that when you hit something big that was primarily your writing, your talent, and a different organization, your organization gets the credit for it and you don't. That's something you have to deal with. And I would be certain that he had to deal with and grapple with that like tension of like, oh man, like, oh, I should have gotten the cred for that. I should have gotten, you know, whatever publicity, whatever advertising monies, all those different things that come with videos. Now he would have had to deal with that. And here he is now, 10, 12, 15 years later, I guess 13 years later, having to walk through and get now, now he's 100,000 followers on TikTok. He's getting that monetization. TikTok. <laughs> all right, all right, okay. Uh, I think we're, I think we're uh, old yeah. now. You know, we're, that, we're calling that, the wrong. That I, I think thing. you need to be real and, and call it, call it TikTok okay. from here yeah. on out. I will, um, I'll do my best. But yeah, that, those are all those little <laughs> steps, you know, coming from our founding pastor, he talks a lot about, you don't make leaps of faith. You'd make steps of faith. And really that 
what looks and feels like a leap for us was just a step for Chris, even though that's a very challenging and difficult step, no doubt. Yeah, I, th- I think it was the logical step, right? And I, I think the other two is like, it, even though it might not have felt like it in the moment, dad's life and, and some of the other stuff he did was proof of concept, right? It's like, I know how to do these things. I know how to get the, get the views, put myself out there, how to produce the videos. Like there was so much learning in that, that he had arguably a master's degree on social media just by being in the role that he did. So in my mind, like, I, I don't, I don't look at a situation like that where it's like, Oh, that could have been me. That could like, I could have gotten all that stuff. I look at that as education. I look at that as basically saying, I, I was actually paid <laughs> to learn how to do all this stuff. And now it's a moment yes. to step oh, forward into this to where now I can make it my own thing. So my resume per se is these things that I did through my past job, but that resume is really just for himself now to say, here's the experience that I have, which if I'm sitting down with Dave Jewett and I'm going through one degree and I'm kind of picking out the experiences in my life and, you know, key moments, I think dad life would be one of those things that would be that key moment. And if I'm Dave, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I'm not seeing leadership and, and, you know, John Maxwell stuff here. What I'm seeing is, is you are uniquely qualified to do X, Y, and Z. And for, for Chris, it was, it was a little bit of laying down his pride, right? I think we all have some, some pride when it comes to like what we do and, and who we, who we think we are in terms of our identity from our occupation to like our actual identity. But he said something along the lines of, I wanted to be dignified and respected instead of connecting with my gift. So it, it was difficult for him to embrace being weird, being funny, because he didn't feel mm-hmm. like that yeah. was dignified or respected. I think he looked to guys like Pastor George and said, I, I want to be that. Like, I feel like at some point, like he, he said, uh, he took off the, the, he took off the cowboy hat and it was just like, okay, yeah, like that does make sense. And I, I, I think that you can learn from that. But I think for Chris, it was a different situation. He's not taking off the cowboy hat. He's taking off essentially the employee hat and he's putting on the entrepreneur hat. And I think in that case, mm. that was the, that was the difference. That's good. As opposed That's huge. to being That's good. like, all right, like now I need to be a leadership person. No, you can still operate in your gifts and you can still um, use everything that's that you've learned all the way up to this point, now you're going to be the one that benefits from it. And it's going to be 100% you, which is 100% scary. But you can, again, look back and say, I've done this before. I've been here before. I know what to do. I know this is possible. And that gives you the courage to take that step. And I think that that's just, that's life, right? That's just every single step feels like a leap, maybe at the moment, but looking back at it, you're just like, yeah, that was a step. Yeah, that was a step. But for me, I feel like sometimes like we, like I'm just sitting there going, God, I want to know your plan. God, I want to know what you have next for me. And on my mountain trip, there's been times where he said, if I, sh- if I told you it, you would be too scared to do it right now. And I think that that's just a, a situation that you have to recognize. It's like, I haven't taken enough steps to where I can get my head around it. So God is leading me step by step instead of making it feel like a jump for me. Yeah. This is where the faithfulness of God comes in. If we got what we wanted, and I think we talked about this last time, but if we got what we wanted, we wouldn't want what we thought we wanted. I mean, it's just too difficult. It's too much. It's too, it'd be too much poured upon you to uh, go further, to do that next step. So God gives us a little bit of time, a little bit at a time and lets us dream. Let's us have these kind of vain, imaginations that somehow, you know, we're going to be this, that, and the other. And we might be, I mean, those things may very well happen, but he takes us through it. I'm constantly reminded of the scripture where he says he adds wealth or he gives us wealth, but adds no sorrow to it. You know, he gives us, and uh, it could be money, could be experience, whatever it is for your situation. He does that. But if you follow him and you're obedient, he does that without the pains and the losses that other people have to suffer in order to get that same experience, that same gratification in their life. 
that's what's good about God. And I see that in Chris's story. You know, he, he's living that story where like when he started this life of comedy, these things that he's doing didn't exist. They weren't things that you could take care of your family with. They didn't, they weren't even ideas in people's minds. And here you are 10, 15 minutes, 15 years later doing entertainment in a way that he never even could have conceived what was possible. Yeah. It's, it's weird to think about, let's say five years ago, five years ago, I don't even know if TikTok existed. So I don't even know if cameo existed. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I would say maybe like some of the monetization of online content was there, but maybe not even to the extent that it is. So if, if you're sitting there five years ago, 10 years for sure, right? 2012, 10 years ago, and God's like, and you're sitting there going, God, I don't know. I don't know what I need to do next. I know that like, I know something's coming. I just don't know what it is. And let's say, for example, God just pulls back the curtain and is like, okay, Chris, here's the deal. You are going to use your smartphone and you're going to act out silly skits and you're going to be silly characters For and real. you're going to get paid to do it. And it's literally just yeah. going to be you at home being goofy. And that's how you're going to make a living. If I'm Chris 10 years ago, potentially five years ago, I'm like, okay, God, whatever. <laughs> like, uh, That doesn't make any sense. And I think that's that instance where you look back at it and you go, I think you can see the natural progression now looking back at it, but in the moment it would have been probably way too much for Chris to comprehend. Even if it was just as simple as like, Hey, you're going to be in that 2% of, of uh, SAG actors who, who get paid and make a living on it. That probably felt like a huge step for him. Not even a step, a leap felt like a huge leap for him. But now it's totally plausible. And he's proof of concept now that it happens. And the really cool thing about it is, so, so Chris had said something to the effect of, like, I feel like, like God was drawing to me to leadership. God was draw, drawing me to, like, uh, be uh, revered or, or dignified, respected. Here's the funny thing. Because he's part of that 2%, and because he's proven it out, that it can be done and because he's walking out and doing exactly what he's doing right now, which is making a living off performing. He is now a well-respected dignified expert Whoa. at social media monetization of acting with through character actors and performing and making people laugh. He alluded to it a little bit in terms of like everybody thought Adam Sandler was goofy and, and weird but turns out weird pays. Chris is now for a specific audience, a mentor. He's a leader. He's a trailblazer. And he is somebody that people would go to, to learn how to do this. That's how good God is. Yes, he is. And I'm so glad you pointed that out because Chris got what he wanted and what God wanted for him by being obedient and essentially laying down what he wanted for himself. The dignity he saw as the pastoral role was found in being obedient and saying, that's not what God has for me. I'm going to go do something else that may or may not feel dignified at the time. And yet God's plan the whole time. His plan the whole time was to bring Chris to that spot of what we all want respect, you know, some some notice somebody says, Hey, you're good at what you do. His whole plan was that, but it required Chris to give up that plan. And what is that scripture? What did Jesus say? You want to find your life? Give it up. You want to lose your life? Yep. Try to keep it there. There you go. There's your answer, yep. man. So yep. good. So had he hung on to the role that he was in before, he never would have walked out into the plan that God had for him. Yep. And that's, that's, that's the cool thing about kind of this entire story, this this raw look at Chris's journey, because I think that me in my my walk and, and what I'm trying to do and you and your walk and what you're trying to do, we can still learn from Chris's story. But again, he, he pulls back that curtain and says, like, there was times that I was angry at God. There was times that I was on the hill and I'm yelling at God. What is your like, what do you want me to do? Like, I just don't get it. 
and he's getting that advice from Dr. Neiman that's saying, go blow bubbles and just make people laugh. And he's sitting there going, this is ridiculous. I don't want to do this. And I, I know that there's been times in my life where I'm just sitting like, I don't want to do, like, I know I need to do it, but I don't want to do it. <clears throat> and this, this instance, this story just affirms for me to take that step, to take that step in faith. Because when you trust God and you allow God to work through you, and then you see that realized, you see him, you see his fingerprints on it. Mm -hmm. For me, that emboldens me and encourages me to keep taking steps in faith as opposed to, well, nope, not doing this. Not, you know, I'm just going to keep saying no to that because it's too uncomfortable. It's, it's too, too out there. And I think Chris is walking proof that trusting God, walk through it. Be willing to take those steps no matter how ridiculous, no matter how weird. Don't shave off the, the weirdness. Embrace it because those that's your gift. That's 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 the, the things that God created within you to separate you from everybody else, to make you unique. Yeah, that's good. That's such a good insight and perspective. His those are the things. God is for us. I mean, that's what I what I hear. It's God is for us. And we think so often. He's against us in the way of like, he's just not going to give us the thing we want or the the thing we see that we can be a part of or do. It's just not usually in the package you think it's going to come in. And that's usually not even, even as good a package as God has for you. That's the tough and yep. beautiful part about serving Jesus. So I want to talk about this a little bit because uh, these, these were the like the five points that, that he kind of ended it with. And uh, I think I think they're definitely worth just discussing because I feel like you kind of rushed through them because he was running out of time. But obviously, discover your gifts, which we talked about. Look for uniqueness, and step into kind of your one degree that that uniqueness and that that purpose and that strength that God has given you, that talent that God's given you. But I think the value your gifts part—that's the part that I think was the biggest struggle for Chris—is really recognizing that that your gifts may not feel valuable when you look at when you compare yourself to others and you have to trust God in that and trust his purpose but there are definitely times where you you can sit there and, and sit back and go I, you know what I don't think this is a strength <laughs> I feel like this is actually like this is not a strength at all like I'm weird like I'm, I'm the I'm the I'm the guy that like I'm the only guy that can do this. Maybe there's a reason I'm the only guy that can do this. And so you start kind of hearing that. And that's that's the enemy trying to get you to abandon your gifts. But what you have to do is put value on those gifts so that when you're in those situations, your gifts, your, your gifts are just going to keep rising to the top in whatever you do. And at some point when you put value on it, that becomes your unique selling proposition. That becomes your value that you bring. Um, I, I've kind of walked through this a little bit in my in my last couple of months through basically interviewing and, and in the process of getting a new job. A lot of the people that I've talked to, one of their first questions to me was, what do you want to do next? What What are the things that you're good at? What are the things that, um, like, what are the industries you want to go into? What are the, What's the type of job that you want to do? And for me, at first, it was like a weird question. I was like, well, I just want to do a job. Like, I just... Like whatever job you're hiring for, that's what I want to do because mm -hmm. I want to get paid and I want to get a job. Mm -hmm. But the other side of that is like if you have kind of like a good uh, circle and, and you have people that care about you, they recognize that you're going to be the best version of yourself if you're operating in your gifts and you're doing the things that you love to do. And as an employer hiring an employee, if they're – sitting back and recognizing like, okay, we hired Evan, but he's not doing anything that like he can do it, but he's not passionate about it. Is that really the best situation for both of us? No, it's not because I'm going to get drained. Like what Chris said, he's going to be feeling like there's just a death coming. He's just like, it's just not comfortable. It's just not, it's not bringing life to him. Like I can't breathe. Like there's just, there's just, um, it's constraining to you and draining to you. Whereas if I'm like, hey, here are my gifts. Here are the things that I'm good at. Here's my unique experiences that I've developed over my career and my life. And here's the things that I think I can add value and bring to your enterprise, your organization, whatever it may be. 
and I'm able to articulate that and, and I put value on those, guess what? The person hiring me is going to put value on those things too. And that's going to be the reason that they hire me. It's going to be because they know that I'm good at those things because I've come back and, and given, cle communicated clearly, here are my gifts, here's what I'm good at, and here's the things that I, I'm going to bring to the table for your organization. So putting a value on your gifts is, is really, really important. Well, it forces you to trust God in giving, putting me in a place that I need to be that is the best place for me instead of me just taking whatever I can. When God's up there saying, hey, that's going to make you miserable. Just trust me for a little longer. Just trust me. I know you've been through it. You've been looking for a job for weeks now. I mean, it's, it's been like, does anybody want you? I mean, does anybody I feel like this is like you're you're jabbing a little bit here. <laughs> Token. See, at first you were like super like apologetic and you felt bad. Now you're just like at the point where you're just ribbing me a little bit. This is <laughs> this is fun. I appreciate this. I'm glad that we've progressed in our relationship that uh that sarcasm and giving a hard time is now how you communicate with me. Yeah, I think we're there. I think we've we put a stamp on it. That's how we're gonna talk from now on. No more vulnerability. Yeah. Pure sarcasm. Like, yeah, just ages, ages without employment, and I, you know, I'm unhirable. I appreciate that. That's great. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Uh, somebody... Well, I can't officially. Let me, let me say you, you've teed it up for me, so I can't officially say anything yet. But uh, probably by the time the next, the, the time we do the next podcast, I can speak a little bit me a little bit more openly about it. But up to something season is in full effect. I am up to something and I, I should have some really exciting news to share probably by the next podcast. So just, uh, just stay tuned. I am hireable and employable and I do have gifts that I have articulated well to organizations that want to hire me. Yeah. I want to hear about this. I, I, I don't have so to much. worry about being hired. I've, I haven't worried about being hired in a long time. I do all the hiring. So I'm on the other yeah. side of the table. Yeah. Kind of, you are, yeah. yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for the interview uh, opportunity. I appreciate that. I never even got a uh, hey, uh, yeah. Uh, we're like, full right now. Sorry, we uh, we uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any space for anybody. Uh, uh, like you, I apologize. Fair sorry. Enough. Oh man, man. Ouch. Uh, hey, all right, points. so let's. Uh, are you going to do a summary of this thing or not? Like you have not hit one point. All you've do, done is make good points of your own. Which is refreshing, I guess. It's a refreshing situation at this point. What are you talking about? I said discover your gifts. That was point number one. Refine your gifts. That's point number two. Or sorry, value your gifts is point two. I'm on point three. Oh, well, you're I'm doing it in there. such a way. It's just subtle. You're just too subtle today. You're not half. Like, bring it out. Yeah, the people you know want to no, know. I, the people I respect our know. audience. I, I don't have to spell it out for them. They, they, they can pick up the clues. They, they, were, they listened to the podcast before this, which had all the audio. So I feel like if I'm just regurgitating what Chris said, that that's that no one's going to listen. So like we got We got to go. We got to we got to step out and, and take a little bit uh, a little bit deeper dive into this. That's why I, I led with we need to dissect and digest. That, that's why I said that instead of break down, we're dissecting and digesting all of this. Stuff. Yeah, I, was, I picture you at night my, thinking, uh, mm, what are some words that I could put together? That sound really yes. good, really sound intelligent. Yeah. That's what I picture you like. A, you've got like a number two pencil in your hand, so like it's some notebook paper from school, and you're just like scrolling yeah. away, dissect and hmm, what could be next? Decipher? Yeah. No, no. I'm just on. I'm on uh, thesaurus.com. I'm just every. Oh, day, I know you are every day. You're like going through words. What's another good word for yeah. dissect? I said dissect last week. I'm gonna have to whatever. Say I'm talking to the guy who says machismo all the time. Okay, so <laughs> I I know that you have. You have some words in your back pocket that you like to use. Machismo is yeah, one of them. I got some 50 cent words back there. I got to throw them out every once in a while. <laughs> I got to stay up with the man here. This okay. guy's intelligence right. captain, Evan Uitake. Yeah. So uh, that leads to point number three, which is refining your gifts. So for me, refining my gifts is just, you know, finding deep words, alluding to the, the, the points without directly saying them. But I think for, I think for, uh, for Chris, like, you know, he said, "Refine your gifts." That like that's self-explanatory. But I, I think that there is. I would say this: invest in your gifts. So first of all, recognize what they are, but then invest in them, and be willing to fail at them 
So put yourself out there. I think for him, refining his gift was like it seemed a little silly, but it was blowing bubbles, right? Like I probably would not have put – I wouldn't put that on a resume. But it's him exercising it and being willing to fail, right? Like being willing to say, all right, I'm using my gifts. Let's test the limits of it. Like what are what are my get my gifts used good for and what are my gifts used bad for? And if I'm able to kind of again continue to hone in on my one degree on my strengths, I can say my gifts from a performance standpoint, if I'm Chris, are making people laugh. But maybe my gifts are not making people cry. Oh wait, stop. I gotta say something there. He said something phenomenal that blew the top off the entertainment industry, how I see the entertainment industry. Did you catch this? He said, most comedians are trying to get laughs. Mm-hmm. They talk about get getting laughs. And he says, ah, I don't like that. I, I hate that phrasing. He said, I look at it as giving laughs. That is such a great perspective because that turns the whole industry about the audience about the other person it makes me you know now it's not about your identity and he mentioned that how it became his identity and how he had to separate that and then he has he's able to do comedy now without it feeding him did you get that on your notes the validation part without it being his validation and now it's for the other person's enjoyment. he's giving joy away that is such a great perspective on entertainment industry that is that is how i would see jesus doing it on this earth, he would out be out here giving yeah. laughs. I'm glad you picked that up. That them. was that was a that was a strong point. Um, and I agree. I, I feel like from a comedian standpoint, but also just like from a gift standpoint, we're not we're not trying to get people to. That's manipulation in, in my mind. We're not trying to manipulate people to do so. Like if I if I'm really good at sales, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to manipulate somebody to buy from me. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give them all the reasons, whether it be features, advantages, benefits, whatever that may be. I'm giving them all the reasons why they should buy. And I think Chris is kind of doing the same thing. Like he's giving you really good reasons to laugh. And then from that, you naturally will laugh. Whereas I think in some cases, comedy, there's cheap comedy, right? Like there's fart jokes and, you know, people slipping on bananas. Like, yeah, I can get laughs with that. But I think, you know, if you can go a little bit deeper and you can have be a little bit more thoughtful in what you do and really hone that gift, I think that, those, are the, those are the great laughs because you, they really connect with your audience. And I think that's what separates a good comedian from a bad comedian. I am by no means an expert on comedians, but uh, I I agree. I think that was a a really great point. Yeah, that's fantastic. Such a good idea. Such a humble way to point out and really sanctify the entertainment industry. I love it. It was, I've been thinking about it since then. It's it's tremendous. (laughs) So the last two serve with your gifts, outward focus. I think that ties in exactly to what you were saying. It's, it's not about getting, making people laugh. It's about getting people to laugh and then trusting God with your gifts. I think the, this should not be difficult, right? Like we should just trust God. Like, I feel like you read the Bible as a kid and you're like going through the story. Like you already know the answer is Jesus. And you know, that God's going to like bring, like raise Lazarus from the dead. But, or, or you talk about like the, I think it was like one of the Roman soldiers, like just like, I understand that you're a man of command and, and that if you just say, that everything will be okay. Like that's, that's enough for me, like having that kind of faith, but that's a, that's a trust in God. Right. Like, and, and I think that we, we sometimes like read the Bible and be like, Oh, Jonah, like, why are you not going to Nineveh? Like, you know, God's going to bless you and take care of you. And then like the whole whale thing happens, but you're just looking at it from kind of like the, I know the beginning, middle and end of this. And of course you should have trusted God. But I think when it gets into our real life and our situation, that trust in God, like I start to relate a little bit more to Jonah. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I'm not going there. <laughs> like this is this is not going to work. Like all the signs say like, I should not go. I, I shouldn't do this. But if you trust God with your gifts, if you put yourself out there, if you allow him to work through your stuff, as difficult as it may be to do that, you, you still got to trust God. Or to say it another way, as much as you've trusted God up to this point, there is going to be a point where he's going to continue to challenge you and then you still have to trust him. And for us, I think that becomes just this really difficult thing to do. But I think Chris's testimony and, and, and message is another resonating endorsement of 
trusting God and allowing him to use the gifts that he put in, in you, he, that purpose he created you for, if you'll trust him with that, he, he, can, he can give you the desires of your heart that he put in there and bless you through it. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely. When the gifts... You know, I was looking at those two points, serve with your gifts. And man, when you put it out there, I mean, got to use it. You know, it brings to mind the uh, loaves and fishes. Little boy at the lunch gives Jesus his lunch and bam, feeds 5,000 people just like that. And that's what you see Chris doing with his gifts and what we all have the opportunity to do with our own gifts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, as always, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and having the ability to kind of go through this message and uh go through another awesome brotherhood breakfast and uh excited for the next one coming up i actually don't know who the speaker is do, you, do they say who the speaker is uh for december it's usually like it's are usually, you kidding it's me usually, uh, like let me guess it's either pastor george or wit it's 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 one of those two so that's my guess are you even part of brotherhood it's always pastor, pastor george. george okay PWG. Hey, that's how I knew. That's how I knew OG, that Pastor it was Witt. probably him. I think it's because we end the year with Pastor, Pastor George, Witt's and then that January. means that January is going to be Pastor Witt. So that's usually like kind of the the cycle a little bit. Yeah. Do I got it down? Am yeah, I part is. of the group? Yeah, we try to kick it off with Pastor Witt, kind of giving Setting the charge the for men in January, and we wrap it up with something mind blowing from PWG that's going to change your life completely, one hundred percent. It always does every December. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, in eager yeah, anticipation, we'll be doing uh, first Friday of every month. So that'd be the first Friday in December. Make sure you uh, hop in and uh, join us in person. If not, as always, we'll have the uh, audio podcast for you guys to listen to and uh, our breakdown of it after the fact. So brothers, remember, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God and honor the King. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Mm-hmm.